Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. Joseph here with Jesse Nelson. Come to you from the terrace. The terrace. Good to see you, Joseph. Good to see you, Jesse. Got this um, fancy new internet and I can do so much more on it now. That's right. <laughs> more on it. More on it. <laughs> that should be that should be our saying for this year. We're just gonna more on it. We're just gonna more on it. I don't know. Uh <laughs> ID and, 10 and tier. Yeah. As I'm as as I'm talking about this, I'm realizing it's been over a year since we started exclusively coming from the terrace. Uh which Yeah, I, I think they're strange. better than ever, honestly. Yeah. It made us get our recording equipment in order. That's and, true. Uh if you disagree with us, head over to coffeeloversradio.com and let us know. Yeah, Join our Patreon to tell us. Patreon and give us money to do something no. different. <laughs> It's gonna be it's gonna be more direct on it um yeah support support what we're doing on the show we really Costs appreciate you $1 it dollar a month to be like don't do this anymore yeah <laughs> and we may or may not listen to you it's only a dollar but i invite you onto the show that's true should we start doing uh doing guest segments with our patreon supporters i would love to wow ideas born right here on the show yep anyway jesse um, I've got Joseph. some ideas on the mind, on the mind, on the mind, uh, about some coffee people have a cloud and process have the mind. That's true. Have the mind. Uh, I'm still drinking that Honduras from the last show that we did. Yeah. Cold cup of coffee, huh? <laughs> actually, actually it kind of is cause it's cold in this room <laughs> <I know. laughs> and it's been sitting in this mug for a little while. Um, a but, week. uh, We've talked about this a little bit before. This is a this is a Honduras. Um, it's a wash process coffee. I got a very similar Honduras. That's an anaerobic process coffee uh, from the same region, uh, same altitude. I, I don't I don't have the bag for the washed Honduras anymore. But this uh, the it's a it's a Honduras Pacas from uh, one thousand six hundred seventy meters above sea level. And uh, it's it's washed versus anaerobic is what I was doing. Two, they're not from the same farm, but you know they're both uh, close enough. I figured to have an, a comparison uh, because I'd be uh, you know I've always been I've always been really like I love a natural processed coffee, um, but this is like a concept that I think people who are getting into like brewing their own coffee and exploring coffee and that sort of thing, uh, like exploring on like the processing level, uh, seems like kind of a next level thing for a lot of people but well it is next level because that's the next thing that we're paying attention to uh (laughs) that's true but it's it's uh, the thing that has such has such a huge impact up front whenever i don't oh totally i mean i think that we're we're talking about the same thing here interrupting each other the uh processing of course is is the the methods in which you remove the mucilage the cherry mucilage off the seed before it's fully you know right. dried out and shipped out to you know uh roasters right. it's how how do you go from like coffee is a fruit it's like a cherry right and the thing about just roast to, is the pit so how do you go from that fruit to the pit that you're gonna roast right um and there's, there's there are a lot of layers to remove it's not just like the fruit itself but there are like right several layers of of as you said mucilage over the pit that need to get removed exactly too. and picture like a uh, a mango you know, mango pit, like you don't really get to the seed. You get to that weird, like outer shell that's covered in all the mango fur and it's really hard to eat around, you know, it gets kind of caught up when you're cutting it. And, and that's 
that's the silver skin. That's that's the um, the parchment, excuse me, around the coffee cherry. So there's the mucilage, and then there's this weird kind of outer heavy-duty cellulose coat that is around the pit then, too. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and- so I think we uh, we're starting to we, – we took processing for granted for – yeah, ever well, the, in coffee the, for the most part as consumers, especially in this country. True. And there have been two main ways of processing coffee for a long time. One being what's called natural process, where you take the fruit and you just let it, you basically let it raisin uh, off the outside of the uh, of of the seed, and that process breaks everything down. Um, and yeah, then once it just dries it out, so you can mechanically right. pull it apart. Basically, putting it yeah through a well, they're called separators. I just imagine them as like kind of squishing the, the seed out of the thing in uh, mass. And then the other process is wash processing where you start by squishing the all the fruit out and then through a number of different water baths, um, fermentation ends up breaking down the, the rest of the layers. And right. then you dry it out and then you remove it. And that fermentation is a key process. If you let it ferment too fast or too far, then it it spoils the coffee. But you right. need to you need to ferment enough that it it comes apart. Uh, and so there's a lot of different um, like water temperature, you know, the, what's in the water, things like that, that can change the fermentation time. Um, been a lot of areas of ex- experimenting with that at the farm level. That's true. Uh, and there's also the processes in between the honey processes and the pulp natural that. Yeah. Uh, basically we'll mash the coffee cherry and then use a dry process to let it dry out from there. Yeah. Um, creates a whole different type of oxidization because the fruit's been exposed in yeah. that. Um, so those fermentation processes then get really hot really quick and will cook the coffee on a patio if you're not careful. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, from a, So from like a, a drinking coffee perspective, because it, like what's what's interesting to me about like communicating these experiences when you're drinking coffee you don't see any of that there's so much like fascinating process that goes into just getting the coffee ready to be roasted that most people in their life will never be aware of but like so much different in the way that that's done that creates such a different experience on the end uh and it's it's kind of hard to see the difference unless you can compare something very similar side by side. But I've always really loved a natural processed coffee because that that process of the fruit drying right on the outside of the seed leaves such a, a powerful fruit fruit plant floral uh, aromas and tastes with the coffee. Uh, That's what I was going to say. Like most consumers' first experience with a different process is like that that natural process Ethiopian that just pops like. Right. fruit salad versus the you know right, traditional exactly. coffees that they're used to or, or um, like I wild mean, fruits wild blueberries wild strawberries that are that yep. are so sweet and rich that you're like oh my gosh this is i vividly remember unworldly. my first real natural processed coffee yeah um like it was it was a game changer and i'd already been kind of roasting coffee for a while and then this was just exquisite yeah and blew my mind yeah, I think what is what is most popular and what people are most mostly used to are often wash processed coffees because that that uh, process handling is from a, from a consistency and quality perspective, the easiest way for, for a farmer producer to create consistently create high enough quality coffee to sell and export it internationally. I, yes. Historically. 
historically, well, I think that that's a really important thing to remember when we're talking about this is that the infrastructure that it takes to get coffee out of a region, a growing region is tremendous. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's grown in rugged rural areas in very poor regions of the world. And the people that own the processing centralized processing areas are the ones that tend to control the prices and control where the coffee is coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, and historically, you know, there's a lot of parallels between colonization and who owns the waterways and the water supply to wash the coffee. And then, um, you know, who's growing the coffee. And so, uh, and there's a lot of weird national laws around who controls that centralized processing and how the coffee gets out. Um, if you look at places like Guatemala, it's a lot of companies like Nestle that own the processing infrastructure. Mm, that makes sense. Um, Nestle so they likes buy to control it from the farmers. <laughs> yep. Nestle, Nestle, Nestle. Ugh. And then there's uh, interesting setups of more of a cooperative development in uh, East Africa. You see that in Kenya and Ethiopia that, uh, there's a kind of more of a mutual ownership of that centralized processing. It's, uh, I guess that's what I think is fascinating about the processing beyond what the differences in flavors is just that we're kind of just now learning about it, even mm -hmm. though these have been very real, um, techniques for a long time. Yeah. And I like to draw the comparison with wine because we know a lot about wine and the different types of, uh, you know, barrels, the wood that goes into the barrels and how long it's stored and what types of grapes, what type of regions, what type of microclimates, what kind of length of time it was, it was, uh, you know, with the various processes it was kept in the barrels and whatnot. And we know all that because it's, it's been kept for centuries by white people in Europe doing mm. that. Whereas coffee has been coming from areas that were, um, how do I say this gently? Uh, not respected by Europe. And so none of the agricultural techniques made it into the official record keeping. And mm -hmm. it was more of the consumers in Europe and then North America that were dictating what we want in our coffee, not the farmers dictating what they can do with this incredible plant. And so, you know, adding processing, adding different techniques, having higher quality of picking the fruit versus robots doing it, all that adds cost onto it. And so we have a very artificial ceiling on what we can charge for coffee in this country. Um, and a lot of it's because it was set up to diminish the value of the labor at the origin and to keep the, the cup cheap uh, here in the consuming end. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I don't know, I find it actually fairly, fairly sad, fairly, uh, I don't know. I have a lot of empathy for those agriculture systems that have just been ruined over the centuries as far as missing out on what coffee could have been for this world and so many different flavors and, uh, you know, so many ways that we could uplift those farmers in those vast corners of the world that we didn't because that's not what the economy here wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my little rant. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's that entire aspect of coffee that, that most people will never see because it's, but I mean, coffee, we, we will see it because coffee is becoming more scarce. There's a lot more people drinking coffee than ever before. That's true. Uh, 
and the world is changing. And so it's going to be more expensive to grow. Um, and that's before we get into just consumer demand for wanting better quality coffee. Yeah. You know, but there's only, you know, like maybe 15, 17 pounds of coffee that comes off of a tree in a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about, we talked about it last episode, putting in a pound of coffee into the roaster. That means as like all the batches I've done on my brand, brand new little roaster is enough for one tree for a year. Right. And so the, the, the scale of how much we consume this coffee and what goes into that is tremendous. And so there's a real incentive to keep it as cheap as possible um, and automate that, which means the coffee quality just isn't, isn't there right. versus what it could be. Well, I think um, unfortunately a lot of that, a lot of that scaling and making it cheap as well. Uh, this is, this is a, this is another subject on this, but related um, all, all of those processes and um, exploitation is detrimental to the the land and the environment and oh, yeah. honestly all the systems involved uh, which is really unfortunate well right I mean we've talked about this a lot on the episodes but a few years ago in 2019 it was um, some of the lowest prices ever in coffee yeah uh, 2018 I guess now and and the commodity price of coffee and when you look at countries like Honduras where you know, 80% of their coffee is commodity level coffee, not specialty grade. They don't make any money on it. They're making, you know, two cents on the pound, mm -hmm. you know, which means they're making, you know, 30 cents on that tree for the year. And, and they, it's not worth their time anymore. Mm -hmm. And they leave, you know, the gangs come in, you know, how do you control the resources in a country that's sort of failing because the agriculture system that it's based on is failing because of our own consumer demand in this country, then, you know, they leave to come to this country. Right. Cause that's where the money is. Um, so, you know, pushing and pushing for better quality coffee and being willing to spend, I'm going to say $3 more per cup of coffee, you know, will go a long ways to, alleviate these economic conditions of these countries that drive a lot of immigration and gang and drug violence yeah i mean it's it's vote with your vote with your cup uh i uh, people aren't gonna like to hear this but i'm gonna say that lattes the real cost of a latte should actually be closer to you know twelve dollars a cup yeah yeah instead of four um well because the labor the, the labor the skill the amount yeah. of the quality of coffee going into that well, and then the, uh, the economics and environmental impact of the milk side of a latte drink. Um, exactly. We haven't even talked about um, that. But um, yeah, one of the things that's been on my mind recently as far as processing and why I've been, I've been looking into it is the, the, the widespread uses of wash processing and the, uh, the almost always negative impact on the environment of wash processing uh, like wash processing uses a heck of a lot of water and it's not just the water usage, but it's that all of the waste from that usually ends up back in the local water table, which is bad. Right. Usually I mean, fortunately bad. the, the sugars and stuff that come off the coffee is fairly easy to filter out with just a basic carbon filter, but you're still using all that water. It's like if you four use to a carbon six gallons filter too. of water, <laughs> right. And it's four to six gallons of water per pound of coffee. Like, and, and consider um, most of the farmers in, in these like rural places in these countries don't have the resources to do anything, but the, the bare minimum to make a quality enough coffee to sell. Um, and sometimes they don't even get that opportunity, right? They get told what, 
they're going to get paid for their coffee and that's it. Yeah. So it's not about quality. Um, been talking with uh, uh, James recently. Um, hi, James. Uh, he'll be James. on the show soon. <laughs> yeah, we got a few fun episodes with him that are going to be very yeah. informative. Um, well, one of the projects he's working on, which which we're going to bring him on the show to talk about, is uh, a lot of educating of, of coffee farmers in Peru. Um, just uh, like among other things, better ways to handle and process coffee that both produce a better tasting coffee and cost the farmers less in the long run and have less of an impact on the environment. Uh, so and I think as an example, and this is something that's being done around the world in terms of natural processed coffees, which are, uh, I think making a, but having a rise the last few years in specialty coffee um, mm-hmm. is that typically traditionally the way natural processed coffee was done, which remember that's the fruit just drying is the farmer would take the fruit and just lay it out on the ground or on their roof or on a patio or something like that. Um, and you can imagine that that would make for a lot of options for the coffee to be dirty, to not evenly um, ferment all these problems. Yep. And especially in places like Ethiopia and Yemen, um, like this was, this is one of the reasons that, that Mokhtar was able to do so well with Yemeni coffee is he went in and showed them just the simple process of creating raised drying beds and, and like evenly laying out their coffee and having it out of the way yep. of animals and, and other picking such it. things. So it's consistent colors when you're picking it off the tree also. Right. Not that just... also. Um, so the, these simple processes, uh, create, uh, much higher quality coffee that you can sell for more and have a much less impact on, on the local environment. So I, aside from, I just enjoy the taste of, of more naturally processed coffees, like the further away from washed I, I get, I seem to enjoy more. Uh, I guess I, I have a, I have an appreciation for, uh, the taste that fermentation can create in things. And maybe that's part of it. Um, I like, I, I deeply enjoy scotch and also I, a lot of fermented I, foods in general. So maybe maybe that's informing my taste experience. But well, I think it shows that you have a pretty diverse palate. I what I love, I mean, I don't know. I oh, get I a little you. bit more palate fatigue off of natural processed coffees. Mm, I can see like, that. I, I love them and I love the smell. And then I get a whole bag of it and I kind of get tired of it and mm. I go back to like a really lovely washed Guatemalan and it it's it's the coffee that I prefer. And I think that if you talk to other roasters that have been doing it for a while, there's a very similar trajectory of like coffee, coffee, Ooh, natural process. Yeah. Everybody wants this back to, I kind of like washed coffee. (laughs) I kind of like that consistency and that little fruity, like much more of like a, like a citrus, like edge on the fruitiness versus Mm -hmm. some of that wildness of a natural and and subtlety. And I think more flavors you can find in a wash. Right. Um, but now that we have money going into these systems and these and farmers are you know being paid to experiment, show off what they know, then we're getting all sorts of new processes that are creating incredible, right, uh, new flavors with less of an environmental impact as far as water is concerned. Yeah, um, hence like the anaerobic, exactly. Which uh, anaerobic means without oxygen. Yeah, um, and. It basically means that the the fermentation process is happening in a sealed container that uh, isn't allowing new gases, new oxygen into the system. Right. Uh, I've and, I've watched. Uh, you know, I've done a little bit of research into it. There there are a lot of different interpretations of anaerobic and ways to do anaerobic. Um, 
but the 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 ones that I've seen are they'll, they'll essentially um, take the coffee cherries and fill a drum with it, and then fill it up with water so the the cherries are fully submersed, just yep. just like you might like do up to the rim. if you're gonna if you're gonna like pickle some cucumbers or something like that. Stuff them in a jar, fill it with water. Obviously, in this case, it's not like. Uh, salted water. They're not like pickling the. No, <laughs> the not adding cherries. onions. Onions um, in with it. But what they what they I think what they will often do, and I've I've certainly seen this in a couple of videos, is they will um, use fermented like previously f- uh, previous water from previous uh, anaerobic fermentations, or what or what they might do is like when they empty the cherries out, use whatever water is left in that and continue because the you know there's like there's active um, enzymes in there. And, yeah. And they, they'll they'll use that to kind of feed the next fermentation, uh, and the process uses a heck of a lot less water than washed, um, but is is perhaps maybe a cleaner process than than doing something like a like a natural, which requires a lot of space and and tools it to is. lay out. You know, but here's the converse side of that: is you know these are basically 55 gallon drums, like oil drums. Yeah, you know they're plastic with the resealable lids and stuff like that. Generally, that mm-hmm. doesn't hold that much coffee as yeah, far as true. consumer demand goes. Yeah. Uh, th- in order to get to the scale of our coffee production with more sustainable, you know, water-wise, more sustainable methods for this, um, it's there's not enough space. Yeah, and not enough money to go into it. Um, well, as, as those techniques refine, they might figure out ways to do it in, in greater quantities. But um, yeah, this, well, pa- this particular. A, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I just have I have an odd um, portfolio of working with anaerobic digestion in dairy farms. Oh. Um, I in previous life was the project director for a um, for implementing anaerobic digesters to clean up the water effluent coming from dairy farms when they basically hose off where the cows are getting milked and where the cows are, they hose all that, all that excrement out of there and traditionally just goes into a holding tank and then evaporates into the water, the groundwater system. And that's where you get like the blue baby syndrome and stuff like that with too much nitrogen coming into the water. Uh, it's a big environmental problem. Hmm. And one of the ways to solve that is to take the manure effluent and put that into an anaerobic digester so that what you get out the other side is just basically pure um cellulose it's it's the the grass the leftover grass from the gut of the cow um and then you end up with this compost um tea they call it and it's a really highly concentrated uh, liquid form of fertilizer that you can extract all sorts of phosphorus and everything from as well. And then you get gases out of it. You get all the methane and, and, um, similar gases out of that, that you can make energy from. So that's that very interesting. I guess what I was trying to say without, you know, bragging about my previous life was that the, uh, the scale, if you think about it, So we worked with these, these farms that had, you know, 6,000 cows and, these anaerobic digestion tanks were big, you know, like a hundred feet by 75 feet. And they're constantly moving to process all that, that waste. Um, so if you think about the scale of coffee to get that kind of. You'd have to have the same kind of thing, really. I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you can, I would love to see if that's the direction that anaerobic digestion is going to where you get, you know, very focused and controllable effluent, 
sides out of it and then a pure coffee. Yeah. You know, it, if there's that kind not, of scalability with it. Like so far, my experience with anaerobic has shown a lot of like funky kind of flavors, uh, which I really enjoy. Like I like right. that kind of experience. I think most people don't like that enough uh, for that to be something that's that's consistently profitably well, remember, exportable. Most people want medium heavy roasted coffee and right. those nuances aren't really even going to make a difference in there. That's true. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious. I would be I I've only had like these these scientific processing methods. I've only had them um, in very light roasted coffees. Yeah, where you can absolutely taste the difference in there. But I'm wondering if you had like those two from Camber that you're talking about, uh, if those were both like into second crack, medium, heavy, medium roasts, if you could tell a difference. Hmm. Interesting point. Yeah, these are these are pretty lightly roasted coffees. So, right. Which kind of brings us back to the consumers and what consumers want and how much effort are you going to go into these extra methods if the end product is no different for the consumer, but it just costs more. That's true. Um, And like everything with the environment, you know, most of the externalities with the environment aren't incorporated into the cost of what we're consuming. Yeah. Like the milk in a latte. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very interesting. Well, uh, listeners, so go to coffeeleveragedio.com. Let us know what your favorite processing is. And I wanted to add to this funny little thing that's happening, and I haven't had any verification, so I hope that Chelsea at Atlas is listening, so she calls me right away. Uh, we have this bag of Nicaraguan coffee. It's wonderful. Farmer Direct, you know, farmer's name is on it, and it's uh, it's a wonderful coffee. It's... Uh, I bought it just for subscription, so I'm not really concerned too much about making blends or anything out of it. Um, I noticed that I opened up the bag and it hit me in the face like a natural processed coffee. The green coffee just smelled. You know, you've been there you in our studio, them. Joseph. Well, like, yeah, that. Like, you get that whiff of that like fruity, fermented, beautiful f- smell off that green uh, coffee. I wish everyone could smell some green coffee. If you get the chance, smell green coffee. Please yeah. do. Especially if you get a chance to like smell the green coffee version of what you're drinking that's roasted. Yep. Yeah. And I went back on and I looked in the invoice and it says it's a wash process. I went on the Atlas website and it says it's a wash process. Mm-hmm. I go back and smell the green coffee and it's like, this is a natural processed coffee. Um, roasted it up and it it roasts like a natural processed coffee. It has all the extra chaff that comes off of it. It's like that weird, darker... Mm-hmm. flimsier chaff that comes off of it yeah. um, and all the endosperm the little white line in the middle of washed processed coffees a natural processed coffee that's usually dark right um, these are all dark like there's nothing light about them at all yeah and it's like I go back it's like nope these are all supposedly washed processed coffees um, I'm still convinced it's a natural. I, I no. don't know. It tastes it'll, like it'll a natural. It would be a funny story if they just mislabeled that. But I would, would be right. interested oh, to hear. it's written on the bag. It's printed, screen printed on the bag, on the burlap and everything. It yeah. says it's washed process. And I'm wondering if that farmer does a natural as well and they just got their bags mixed up for a day hmm. or or what. But um, stay Sounds tuned. Sounds like it's good anyway. I better order yeah. some of that. Uh, I It might be gone. Oh, well, I better, I better get on there. I'll send you a sample. Yeah. 
I'll send you what I have on my shelf here. Everyone else better get on to CondorCoffee.com and order some of that before it's gone, if it's not already. So you better go look and find out. Well, by the time this episode airs, uh, if it's up on the website, we have it back in. Yeah. Well, so yeah, you better go check. My first phone call making after we're done (laughs) with this podcast recording is calling to see if I can order a bag of it because... It is good. And yeah. just make sure you get the same one. <laughs> if, it, if you. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, and I, it's for our subscribers. So it's really just fun to have a new coffee. Right. Um, I mean, I bet the, if that isn't the wash that you have, I bet the wash version of it is still good. But it sounds like yeah. the what you have is, is pretty excellent too. So it is. And actually, it, yeah. uh, if I can get another, if it's, if there's some available and it's the same coffee, I have some ideas for a, um, a special coffee for a special event that's coming up in oh, a nice. couple months. Yeah, that's true. There is something <laughs> happening, isn't there? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It's less than a couple of months, Jesse. Can I just say that from Port Townsend to Camino Island is only like a mile shorter distance than Port Townsend to Syracuse, New York. it's like i don't know if you could have two points in the same state that are so close together and so far apart by actually how to get there that's really funny um well have fun with that (laughs) (laughs) okay everyone Uh, i'll tell you more off air about that before we confuse everybody but i have a it's funny (laughs) thank you all for for listening for subscribing um, share with your friends, coffeeleversradio.com. Let them yep. know about uh, this delightfully weird show that we do. If you hop onto conduitcoffee.com and order a bag of coffee and in the notes mention this episode, I will send some green coffee along with your order. Wow, that is an amazing So you can that smell that offer. difference and maybe know what we're talking about. Yeah. Might even be some of this Nicaragua. Do it. Conduitcoffee.com. CoffeeLoversRadio.com. Sign up for Patreon. Just Tell gonna, us really what you think. Just going to end the, the show pay, by the listing we'll our listen. websites. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had a few. <laughs> I went on a domain buying binge last week. Excellent. I started looking up some word combinations like, wait, these are all available? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, All right, everyone. See you in the next episode. Ciao. Always Durr. good, Joseph. <laughs> Durr. <laughs> This has been Joseph and Jesse with Coffee Lovers Radio. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to our show and sign up for the email newsletter. Visit coffeeloversradio.com. There you can listen to our shows and click through to our Patreon page to get expanded show notes and other fun stuff. Coffee Lovers Radio is a partnership between Extracted Magazine and Conduit Coffee. Just visit coffeeloversradio.com and we'll see you on the show.